Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hi there, and welcome to The Inevitable. This is our new podcast where we're talking about the future of the car. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This means everything from electrified vehicles to cars that drive themselves. Where are we going and how will we get there? I'm Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend, joined by... Ted Lowe. And we are going to talk to some amazing guests. We have Reggie Watts. We have Sung Kang. We have James Marsden. We have Spike Fairston, Kristen Lee, Derek Jenkins, a whole bunch of actors, celebrities, car crazy folks, people from in and outside the industry. It's going to be great. And you can find it on podcastone.com or anywhere you find you listen to your favorite podcast. We're also doing a video series as well that's on motortrend.com slash the inevitable or on youtube.com slash motortrend come join us hey guys welcome to carcast we've got a fun show definitely going to be talking about that bronco raptor and uh, cadillac escalade v series uh hyundai ionic 5 and a lot more before we get started a word from our friends at geico hey geico do you own do you rent well you do one or the other right you know it's hard work out there, owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. As you can tell, it's a fluctuation of temperature <laughs> in and out. A little bit of a, a little bit of a chilly morning. Uh, <laughs> Man, unbelievable. It's colder here than it was in New York yesterday. Yeah, you had a quick trip over there doing some work, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that was work or... Yeah, uh, I, I guess it was kind of a test run. My post-COVID body could handle the travel in 24 yeah. hour period of time. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a little 2k work related. So yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Alistair Weaver from Edmonds.com back to the show. How are you, Alistair? I'm good. Thanks, Matt. All is well. Slightly warmer in California. Sli- slightly warmer <laughs> in California. I was, uh, I did a quick trip to, uh, Arizona to do the kickoff <clears throat> ceremonies for Barrett Jackson and then came back here to get some work done and then heading out tomorrow morning. We're in the studio Wednesday. 
uh, heading out tomorrow morning for more of the auction stuff. But um, uh, yeah, you know, just doing some Bravago stuff, of course. Uh, uh, Craig had a kind of a VIP launch party at his private collection, which I haven't been to before. At Not his house, which you've seen in magazines, but he's got another <laughs> little warehouse where he's stacked up a bunch of his cars. It's a gorgeous place. Is it really uh, considered little? It's I I mean I mean I I think maybe to to Bear Jackson standards I I mean maybe the building was six thousand square feet something like that and had you know some offices and maybe it's yeah maybe six or yeah maybe about that size so I would say probably little I I can't see for sure but a little birdie told me he might be building himself like a nicer larger like family facility like the family business is separate <laughs> from the Bear Jackson business so he might be coming after you with the super garage bill he might be coming after you to compete with the super garage <laughs> Yeah he'll he'll uh, he'll lead me in the dust quite quickly but, um, yeah, it's it's always always interesting to hear what uh, Craig's up to Uh but it was great to catch up with with Craig and Carolyn Jackson they're always so fantastic um this is the 50th anniversary anniversary event event for them uh for barrett jackson so we went to their gala event it's just a huge party six thousand people it's just it's a lot of fun and uh uh so yeah i'm gonna be heading back out there meeting with a bunch of people and and you know friends of ours and vendors that we are working with uh all the stuff that you and i have talked about uh, but before we uh, dig do into, do not forget to go by the badass cabinets, guys. So do I, not forget. Okay, man, I, I went. So cool. I went by there after the gala. I went by there and walked around the vendor booth areas, which were uh, they weren't working, but the vendors, you know, the booths were open, and I saw yes. some of the stuff. I didn't want to like touch it and mess around with it because obviously somebody wasn't there, and I'm, I don't want to be that guy. But. Uh, but yeah, cool stuff. So I'm going to swing by there and Man. talk to them. And the That's sign guy, uh, the sign guy that I showed you, that guy uh, is very cool. He wants to do something, and uh, at, at a couple of. Oh, I didn't see. Him. I, I you didn't know, see that. Resend, resend me that one, please. Yeah, I sent you the, uh, uh, you know, the big, nice metal stainless like uh, red eye and demon. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, those things. Yeah, he's got a Hellcat one. A red eye Hellcat one and a demon one. I think maybe like the red eye Hellcat and the demon one are kind of the cool ones, but uh, some yeah. pretty cool stuff. And he had some Shelby ones. So I, I want to swing by a few more of those and I'll send you guys, I'll post all pictures up of all the stuff that I'm talking about. So you can see uh, all the cool stuff that's there that's not just the cars. Of course, there's cars, but uh, which I've posted some. Uh, yeah. But- and by the way, personally, do not send me any photos of any vehicle during your trip. <laughs> Barrett Jackson, please, dear God, please don't do that. Or after it sells, I'll be like, hey, Bill, look at this car just went for so-and-so cost, you know? That's fine. That's That's fine, fine. right? Because then you can't be like... Then I'm not near a phone. Head over, hey, could you head over to the office and get me, get a paddle? (laughs) Because it's... Complete out of sight, out of mind. I don't even need a freaking paddle, unfortunately. uh, I mean, at this point, like, okay, what do you want yeah, yeah. So outside, out of mind, I don't want to be anywhere near it. That's why I'm not attending. Let me finish this garage. Let me put the cars that I've purchased from Barrett Jackson in the garage. And, and then, then we'll go to Barrett Jackson, Houston. Put- <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> we'll go to Barrett Jackson, Houston, uh, which uh, is going to come oh, up man. later in the year before SEMA. So then maybe, maybe we'll talk more. But um, real quick before uh, we get into this, uh, all the good stuff with Alistair, but. 
Uh, how about Dave Salvaggio's new car? It's all over Instagram. He delivered the new vehicle to uh, to Kevin Hart. Um, yep. uh, judging by the photos, it looks like they took delivery at Bruce Meyer's garage out here. Bruce Meyer from the Peterson Museum out here at his place in, in Beverly Hills. Uh I don't know too much about the car. Do you know much about it? I don't know much about it other than it's a badass retro roadrunner. You know, it's uh, pretty damn cool. It, it falls in line with what he's done before, but uh, I'm sure he's got some extra goodies on there that we don't know about yet, but we ought to have him on the show to talk about. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, get him on now that it's out. Now the cat's out of the bag. Uh, uh, I think we could uh, get into that a little bit more with him, but um, cool car. Uh want to get into some of the 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 details on it it's um i want to know what we can't see right now that's what i want. yeah I, that's the thing is is now they're going to start to basically release the details of it but what he built was a 69 plymouth roadrunner and uh if you guys want to start seeing some of this i think if you follow kevin hart on instagram uh, but definitely follow Salvaggio underscore design. Salvaggio design. Um, if you uh, if you follow that, you can start to see because he's posting more photos of it, and it's uh, anyway, it's it's cool, cool stuff. So, um, yeah. So I guess there's uh, all the buzz this past week. Uh, Alistair is a Bronco Raptor. Yeah, it's quite a uh, it's quite a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, we knew it was coming, um, but it's always interesting to see, you know, what they're doing with it. And it's funny, is it like projected 400 horsepower plus? And we're just banding these numbers around as if, yeah, well, you know, you'd expect to have 400, 400 horsepower. But that's a hell of a lot in a in a in What's a it weigh? Like this. Huh? What's it weigh? Uh, oh, they're pretty. I, I don't I don't know because we haven't we haven't got our hands on yet. But that, that it'll be it'll be a lot. Have I you, mean, not a lot relative to a TRX or something like that, but it's uh, you yeah. know it's a pretty heavy heavy piece of kit before all the um, the off road hardware. Well, you the know, other thing that the other thing that sorry, but I, sorry, I was going to say the, the Explorer, the Ford Explorer ST that has the three liter four hundred horsepower, uh, that thing scoots around pretty good, and that's you know heavy as well. So putting that engine in the Bronco, uh, I, I'm sure is going to be is is going to be good. And by the way. Uh, the, the tuning packages that are already out for these, because um, what's the what's the Bronco normally three twenty five horsepower? What's the what's the Bronco? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. The standard car has has so you're only talking about another seventy horsepower or something. So they had to they had to push it that far. And and as you say, it is the engine from from the Explorer XT. So you know there'll be plenty of tuning options and everything else uh, available pretty quickly. So Hennessy sure. has their. Their um, Bronco Velasa Raptor 400, which is uh, it upgraded intercooling because they're turbo engines already, and they had it at they I, I saw it at Barrett Jackson during the setup day, right? So I got to walk around it without any people and just kind of see it. And he puts the big tires on. He makes basically making his version of of a Raptor without having to buy the Raptor, right? So you can send any Bronco there and get this package. <laughs> and with his tune, I, and it's probably like tune and exhaust and upgraded cooling on the intercoolers, you know, for the turbo, he's getting 400 horsepower. And if you go to his website or whatever, and you check out the videos, he drag races his against a Raptor. So, or, or against the, uh, the stock Bronco. And so 400 horsepower does move that thing around pretty good. The only yeah. thing that struck me about it, 
you know, just looking through the specs and everything else is just how wide this thing is. Yeah. And I do, that would be the only, I get it. I mean, in the desert, it's not going to matter, but if you're going sort of rock crawling or something like that, you know, this is another eight inches wider than the, than the sort of standard Bronco. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty hefty beast. So um, that might be the only thing that becomes a bit of an issue off road because it's not, it's not the length, it's the width. That's the, uh, yeah. So this is, this is kind of came up with some, you know, some Q and a with Ford going, Hey, Bronco Raptor, it's bigger, it's wider, it's taller, and it's only available in the four-door. And they were asked why. And Ford was saying, yeah, you you know, you can do rock crawling and stuff with it. Of course you can do that. But the the theme of Raptor has been a little bit more on the high-speed kind of off-roading uh, adventures that you would go on. So you can get a regular Bronco two-door short wheelbase, you know, more narrow, and, and of course, uh, an entire catalog of aftermarket Ford performance products and make that thing to a, a really cool uh, rock crawler. But they were saying we wanted the longer wheelbase for, for more high-speed stability. Uh, and yeah, so they kind of wanted to go after the, the kind of the quicker version of of the off roadness of it, so I, I don't, I don't yeah, necessarily uh, disagree. I think it's fine being the the wide. And I think order. they're going to do a. I, I think Matt, they're also going to do a, a more hardcore off road Bronco as well. I think they're going to take it in two directions. They're going to take it in the performance desert racer thing, which is the Raptor, and then they'll probably do something else as well, uh, which will be more off road focused. So um, off road by, I mean rock crawl like rock crawl like slow speed off-road yeah Yeah. which would definitely make sense they've built this brand around bronco not just with bronco sport and the full-size bronco and two-door four-door and all the variations and uh you know it wouldn't surprise me if we're going to start to see ford saying to their dealers hey build us a bronco showroom on your dealer you know and then also the mustang showroom because we've got mach e and all the other mustangs and the high performance variants like and start to build those brands out under the ford umbrella uh and i you know i'm sure out here we could just swing by galpin and see what they're going to do because they're usually the first to do a lot of this stuff (laughs) but uh it, it, it looks cool i mean what else do we know about is there anything that stands out have you guys driven it yet or walked around and you know, what's your thoughts on it? No, we haven't driven it yet, but you're right about the sort of positioning. It is more like a kind of ST Ford performance type approach. So you've got a, a sports exhaust, which will be uh, switchable from, I think Baja mode will probably be the most, um, the most fruity uh, Fox shocks. I mean, it's a pretty impressive, um, it's a pretty impressive spec. And I think, you know, they've now got with the Raptor name, they've got a, a reputation to upkeep. So you know, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a big thing, and they've also, of course, announced that there will be a R version of the Raptor uh, of the Raptor truck, which will have the V8. We expect so. You know, there's some pretty cool things coming from the the Raptor name. You're talking about Bronco being a sub brand, but you know, increasingly Raptor's a sub brand for kind of off roady power as well. Yeah, yeah. I the one of the things that. Um I was walking around, uh, you know, Barrett Jackson talking to a bunch of people and they're like, hey, how's it going on the podcast? What's going on in the car world? You get a lot of those questions. What's going on in the car world? What's going on in the car world? And I said, uh, I said, it's good and exciting and it's fun, but it's also incredibly frustrating because everything we're talking about, we're like, hey, you're going to be able to get this three years from now. And that's the frustrating part is, is all this stuff that's getting announced is so far out. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe... 
this Bronco Raptor is going to come out a little bit sooner than than a lot of other things that have been discussed in the past few months. But uh, it's the wait time on so many of these things. It's just it's 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 nuts that we're talking about cars three years in in advance, uh, and we don't have well, well, much else. You're right. I mean, we've been trying to buy uh, a couple of cars to support our long term fleet. We bought managed to buy a Mackie over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to, to pay a couple of grand over, I know you love this, Matt, we had to pay a couple of grand over the odds, and we only got that because somebody cancelled our order, there was some last-minute thing, and a dealer rang us up and said, do you want it? And it's white. And we're like, eh, white cars never photograph well. Yeah. But we literally couldn't buy one. Um, and Well, we couldn't buy one without paying massively over the odds and just not willing to do that, especially as we're going to give them loads of publicity. So, yeah, it, it's been a, you know, some it's you, been a, been Someone a took you to school, buddy. Someone took you to school on that deal. At least you could wrap it so it doesn't have to be white. You can do whatever you want. Wrap it with Edmunds logos. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so at least you're promoting yourself for that extra fee and, and, and not so much, uh, uh, you know, just the dealer or whatever. Yeah. Would, would you like me to pay you a premium to promote you? Exactly. Yeah, right. Just kind of great. Just kind of great a little bit after a while. Yeah. I'm going to give you millions of dollars worth of exposure and I'm going to pay you for the premium. <laughs> you're going to make me pay for it. Yeah, you're gonna pay yeah, the, exactly. pay the premium on top of it. Uh, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on on uh, both Ford with the Lightning and now Chevrolet GM with the Z06 saying, you know, hey dealers, we don't control you. Do whatever you want, but we strongly suggest you don't take your customers, you know, to to the to the, the mat cleaners. with these, you know, yeah, with this thing and saying, hey, you know. It's not just the markup, but it's also the shady practices that get attention going, hey, I know you got your $100 deposit down on the vehicle that you, you, you bought you know, through Ford or GM or whatever, but now if you really want to keep that deposit, you got to pay the dealer $5,000, which is – Kiss my ass. Yeah. What? And, and, and whatever they mean by that, is, is it refundable? Is it not refundable? Does it go to the purchase price of the car? Is it the markup that you're not going to get back? Like, there's some shady shit going on. And because it's so inconsistent from dealer to dealer, that's what drives everyone mad. And that's what drives the manufacturers mad. So, you know, Ford stepped up what, a week or two ago and said, you know, dealers don't, don't charge a markup or any of these reservation fees for the new lightning but we're going to ask the customers to not sell it for 12 months and then the idea would be in 12 months from now when that customer maybe would want to sell it there's enough f-150 lightnings being produced that it's not going to demand a massive you know upcharge on bring a trailer you could get one used at a fair price, or you can just order another one new at a fair price. That's kind of the thought. With Z06, it, well, that's yeah. Sorry, Matt, I didn't mean to, to to cut you off. I mean that's kind of been the situation in Europe because in Europe the de- the whole law is different, so the dealer can only charge MSRP. Yeah, but the but the problem with that is you then get the consumer flipping it. So, so basically, like getting a getting like an early run GT3 or GT3 RS or something like that, GT2 was basically like winning the lottery. So then the dealers were being encouraged to really control. And this is particularly true of Ferrari, really control who got the vehicles. So then they're tying customers, a bit like they did with the Ford GT as well, tying customers into not 
selling it too quickly or basically if you're a ferrari collector it's like well maybe you cash in on your you know challenge to dali once but after that you're off the list and back you know down to the back of the queue and on the naughty step for the next for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah so right. it was a kind of like uh, that the, the, that was the flip side then the dealers pissed because the dealer's been said well i've got to sell it for seventy thousand, and this guy i've just sold it to has now flipped it for 200 so there is no, I mean, it's classic market forces, but there's no, there's no easy win here. And I think, you know, the way that they're going about it seems to be sensible, but it is a, it's a kind of strong arm tactic, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a little bit of push pull with carrot and stick, if I can mix my metaphors anymore. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know all the rules in Europe, but at the, I would imagine that if somebody said, all right, great, I'm on the list. I bought a car for 70,000. It's worth 170,000. The you know, yeah, you could sell it. The customer can sell it and make that money. You know, you'd think they'd want to keep it. Like you said, you're sort of qualifying the customer to see if they want to keep it. But the dealer is trying to get ahead of it instead of going to the customer and going, hey, if you're going to sell it, bring it back to us, let us handle it on consignment, and then we'll make some money on that deal after the fact, right? But but gouging everyone up front seems like the unfair move, right? Especially when we get into, because that gouging becomes so commonplace. And I know I keep joking about Kia Telluride as the example, but it's not a limited production vehicle. There's nothing very special there. It's a cool vehicle and I get it, but why pay $10,000 over a Kia Telluride? Because this is becoming too easy for dealers to do it. You know, uh, so there there needs to be a little... (laughs) Put I guess the counter argument, Matt, is, is, as we all know from the jobs that we do, is, you know, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay, right? So it is classic market forces that if, if there's enough demand for a Telluride and people are willing to pay $10,000 over sticker, then, you know, it's a free market and all that. Great. So everybody listening, don't pay it. Everybody listening, don't pay it. If everybody pays it, you're going to get, you're going to get screwed. If you don't pay it, they'll have to come down on the price. But, uh, Anyway, Z06, maybe I like what GM is doing and saying, hey, we're going to pick maybe who can get these cars. And it is maybe a little bit more uh, limited production and a little bit more special than, you know, a Telluride. Uh, But the idea of all day long, any one of us who like cars and, you know, understand the value of cars uh, in the future um, would say, sure, you want me to sign a year or 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 even longer to not sell a, a new Z06, happy to do it. I'm happy to do it, right? And if you sell it to me at a fair price, you sell it to me at sticker, you know? Uh, yeah, well, hold I think on the other car. thing that would be nice is, the other thing that would be nice on this stuff, if they said, you have to keep it for a year and you have to do 5,000 miles, so you don't <laughs> yeah. just put it in an air-conditioned barn. I, I'd love that because, yeah. you know, it's like these Ferraris that go off to Dubai or wherever they go and you never see them again. Yeah. It'd be like, you must drive it on the public road for 5,000 miles. Actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I don't hate the idea. I I don't hate the idea. The reason why, uh, Bill, is because if everybody follows that rule, then every one of them that's used has five thousand miles on it. So I get it, but right? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's it's it, it would be so difficult to enforce that rule. And how how would you do There's it? There's no way. No, and then I don't know. Then everyone would be John Cena and. For John Cena, <laughs> yeah, <no way. laughs> um, I'm good. But I I agree. You know, drive it. But uh, 
Uh, our conversation last week about the the sack Mustang that I got, we talked about should I drive it a few miles, should I not drive it a few miles. Um, thanks to everybody uh, on on social media that commented and said nice things about the car. Um, v- very varying opinions about it. Um, a lot of people say, hey, you know, drive it here and there, a few events, 400 miles is not going to kill you. Some people say maybe don't drive it, but I appreciate all the opinions. And I certainly appreciate everyone's thoughts on the dry ice blasting and got a couple of really good referrals. And now I'm going to reach out to those companies and have a discussion about how to do it. And I would very much like to uh, at least shoot some photos, maybe a little bit of video, nothing fancy, just on the phone and post that and say, you know, this is what the car looks underneath. And this is what we talked about how to do it. And this is what we did after it's done and what it looks like and show you guys some of that uh, dry ice blasting process. I don't know if you've even seen this yet, Alistair, but uh, this dry ice uh, wash or dry ice blasting or whatever you want to call it is uh, sort of a mild way of of cleaning a car that's not as abrasive, um, just uh, uh, it's it's happening more in the restoration world, I guess, and, and other things. So it's just some, a thought on how to clean sort of just the whole undercarriage or engine or any, everything uh, on a car. And then, um, yeah, so I'm very excited yeah, about I'd looking at it. I'd be interested to see how you get on, Matt, because my, my car as well could uh... – could maybe use something like that. It's kind of interesting what you're saying about, uh, you know, putting miles on it as a car. I mean, we've seen so much appreciation in the classic car market. I mean, my car's gone up in value. And then you and then you get into this source of psychology. Even though I've got 62,000 miles on it, you're like, well, if I go and do another 5,000 miles, then I'm actually costing me a load of money potentially. And it's not good. It's not a good mentality to have because then you don't enjoy – the car becomes a, a museum piece. It doesn't become a car, and you, you know, unless you've got tons of money, uh, you know, you sort of it starts to screw with your brain a little bit. Yeah. So I, I'm, I subscribe to both of those mentalities, if that's even physically possible. But I'm saying, for somebody that wants to buy the car and capsule it and not put the miles on it, by all means, do that if you want to do that. And if somebody wants to put some miles on it, then by all means, do that. Uh, and, and the trade-off is the guy with no miles is going to have the more valuable car and the guy with miles is going to potentially get to drive it and have some fun with it. But maybe there's a happy medium of of the both, but I'm down with it. And certainly if you have the means to do it a couple of times, then it's a little less of an issue. You can get a car and and store it and then you can get something else and not store it <laughs> you know but if you're uh, <laughs> but if you're on a more limited budget like i i got this car this car is not a lot of money but it's definitely a big purchase for me um Sean in our shop uh you know he he had a customer a client of his long ago that uh he did a lot of work on the guy's GMC Cyclone and then he knew the guy put it away and stored it for a while. You know, it was covered in dust and the the tires are flat spotted. It's got a few miles on it, but not a ton. It's like sixteen or 20,000 miles, right? So uh, in the world of Cyclones, that's a really, really nice piece to get. And, you know, again, it's not super expensive, but they're starting to go up in value. He really likes these things. And he's, he's saying, maybe this is the opportunity. He was ex- thinking exactly what I was thinking when I got the sack Mustang. 
He's like, maybe now is the opportunity to try to make it happen. And he went and he bought it and he loves it and he put tires on it. And I don't know how many miles he's going to put on it, but it's not so few miles that he can never drive it, but it's not too many miles that it's not worth something. He kind of got it like right in that sweet spot, you know, that if he put 2,000 miles on it over a couple of years, it's not really going to move the needle much, you know, because he's, I think he's somewhere in that 15,000 mile range anyway, right? It's probably not going to make much difference between 15 and 17. You know, 15 and 30 would maybe make a difference, but but that's about it. So anyway, his thought is is maybe have a little fun with that, but not too much. <laughs> not not 15,000 miles of fun, maybe 3,000 miles of fun. <laughs> it's just a thought. Um, one of the other things that came up recently was uh, uh, Cadillac Escalade V-Series. Now, uh, I'm down with the, uh, the CT4. I'm down with the CT5 v a black wing. Um, uh, I love that that thing is, you know, turbo gas powered available with a manual transmission. Just, a just the last hurrah we're going to get out of a super sedan with a, with an actual ice engine in it. Um, uh, saw it at Barrett Jackson looks cool. It's badass. But uh, Cadillac says, well, maybe we need an Escalade <laughs> V-Series. I, I, I don't know much about it, uh, Alistair. I, I, I think there was a little bit of an issue with how they were going to roll this car out. There was supposed to be a big fanfare and event. Um, we were going to be involved here at, at CarCast. Uh, and then I just think some I had new COVID rules that everyone's got in place and some fear of that just changed it. So it ended up being a press release as opposed to something like a live event. Uh, I think it has the CT5 Blackwing engine in it. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, I think GM's been a bit, I think our understanding, should we put it that way, is that it would have that engine, which is also in the ZL1 Camaro, if I remember correctly. So you're talking basically 670 horsepower, 660 roughly pounds feet of torque well that's what's in the ct uh, ct5 so maybe you know maybe it'll have a retune or something but i, I don't know it's it's uh it's com- complete nonsense of course but it's no more <laughs> nonsense than a you know tesla model model x plaid or something like that and yeah. it's the kind of last hurrah isn't it you get the impression that everybody's developed a sense of humor because they've got like five years to go so let's just let's just you know let's do just the keep most building these engines in. possible <laughs> that's what they're doing yeah it, I it's, mean, it's the ultimate like kardashian tool basically isn't it yeah you know right? if you live in calabasas then you're <laughs> gonna have to have this blacked out black with black i mean it's blacked out already so black black grill right yeah have all i that. like it it's fun i i kind of like it too but you're right it's like i'm not sure if it's much more than you know like yeah, just kind of the the Beverly Hills hot rod that it'll never see the drag. I mean, don't get me wrong. Hennessy will drag race it and make it faster for some reason. Maybe he'll sell a few of them as well because he's you know he's 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 doing that stuff. And you know, listen, we love him for it. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the Escalade's big. Why not? You know, I don't know. I, I mean. I guess they don't really do sort of a small wheelbase, lighter version, you know, not <laughs> not an eighteen row bus size version of it, <laughs> you know. No, I mean if your if your base engine is a six point two liter V eight, whacking a supercharger on it probably isn't such a big deal. Um, and if you can afford one of those, then you can afford gas even at five bucks a gallon, which is what I paid on Sunday, which kind of blew my mind a bit. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I kind of get GM's thought going, hey, we've got this hot engine now. Let's let's either reduce our cost or make some money on this thing by by dropping it in as many things as we possibly can and uh, increase our profit margin. There's a there's a business case for it. That part I understand. But uh, yeah, and it's a, it gets a bunch of publicity for the Escalade, which is now you know a year or two old, so it helps that way as well. It, it does, and you know, Cadillac's made a, a pretty decent name for themselves as being you know from the stagnant old man brand to a bit of a performance brand, a domestic performance brand. The V Series vehicles have always been fun. Look at the the CTS V wagon with a six speed manual. I'm bringing trailer these days. Like that's. That's that's money, man. If you guys had one of those back in the day and you're selling them now and it's still a cool piece, people love them and it's fun. Uh, but that's a cool car to have. You know, the wagon with the six speed. You know, I would I would argue, look, I'm sure the CT5 is fast as hell with the automatic transmission. But yeah, to your point of collectability, if you want that thing to be worth some money in five years, get the manual transmission. Definitely. You know, you know. Do, do you know who's going to buy the Escalade? I think it's going to be bought by like a lot of racing drivers who tow their own vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Because if you're rolling into the paddock and you need something this scale and size to to tow your boat, your, your power boat, or your uh, or your your race car or something, and you're doing it yourself, and a lot of people just enjoy doing it themselves. Yeah. Then uh, this would be a cool thing to turn up in the paddock in. Yeah, it would be, and you know, it'd be beautiful inside and comfortable, and it'd be great. So, uh, I can I can see that. Um, what's going on? What's going on in your world? It, you know, the thing that excited me over the weekend that I just I know it never catches on in the U.S., but I was watching the Monte Carlo Rally, and there's a guy called Sebastian Lobb, which hopefully people listening to this will yeah will know. And I I went on the Acropolis Rally when. I don't know, I was like 22 and starting out in this world. And I think he was, tw- I think he's about three years older than I am. And he was this really young French kid, Carlos Sainz and Colin McRae were driving for, for Citroen in the World Rally Championship. And they were both on like multi-million dollar contracts and these superheroes. And this little French guy who barely spoke any English at that time turned up and was just mighty. And they couldn't get over how fast this kid was. And here we are like 20, 20 something years on. He's 48 next month. He just finished second in the Dakar. He could fly straight from the Dakar to a test of a, a brand new rally car, which was a, a Puma, which is Ford's little SUV in Europe. It's a Puma hybrid. He turns up in the north of England to test this thing, turns up in Monte Carlo, takes on Sebastian Ogier, who I think is an eight-time world champion, loves a nine-time world champion, and at 48 years old beats him. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, Ogier did get the two of them, uh, who've got eight and nine world championships between, uh, each, then they were taking on all the young guns and were just in a different league. And it was just, it was a bit like the Verstappen Hamilton in Formula One. The two of them just kind of took each other to another level. And it was just an incredible story. And what made it even better is Seb's now won 79 world rallies. He also finished second at Le Mans for Peugeot in, the, in a prototype, all hmm. sorts of stuff. He's won in uh, Extreme E, all sorts of things. He turns up. A normal co-driver uh, isn't co-driving for anymore. Uh, so he turned up with a 50-year-old lady who had been – he had done some testing with him over the years. She's a part-time maths teacher. Yeah, I was going to say she's a and teacher. This was her, <laughs> yeah, this is a teacher. She's 50 years old. He's 47, nearly 48. 
They get in the car, they dust everybody, they win the Monte Carlo rally, and it's just such an amazing story. And if you look, there's so much onboard footage from, uh, you know, if you go across Twitter or any, any social media, and it's, I know rallying doesn't really do it over here in the same way. I know Ken Block came over and made a bit of, a bit of buzz around it, but it's just extraordinary to see. And this guy must be right up there. When you talk about the best rally drivers, actually the best drivers. I mean, he was mighty at Le Mans. He's been mighty in everything he's done. Finish second on the Dakar, fly to the UK, win the get fly to France, win the Monte Carlo Rally, go home. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it was an exciting uh, weekend. I saw all the news and the buzz around it. Certainly uh, uh, through Ford and the brands and the sponsors that were pushing it. But yeah, I saw some of the in car footage, and it always just blows my mind when you see some of that in car rally stuff, and you see this guy just just hauling ass, sawing out the wheel, and someone's just sitting there reading a book next to him going, yeah, you're going to turn here, you're going to turn there. They never even look up and see what's going on. I, I stare at my phone when someone's driving a car for a few minutes, and I start to get sick in the back, you know, looking at my phone. I can't imagine driving like bat out of hell and just reading a map the whole time and talking to somebody on my headset going, yeah, you're going to turn up here, you're going to turn up there. And, uh, and then some of the clips, some of the carnage you see that they were showing just – you know, someone goes, they make it, they're flying through the air, they hit the dirt, they go straight. Somebody just misses and they lawn dart off the side. And then they always cut to the in-car footage. You hear the guy going, oh, shit. And he's just flying <laughs> through the air. <laughs> and you're like, my gosh. There was a mighty crash with one of the Pumas over the weekend. I think that's also on social where he literally just powered off down a ravine. I saw I've that, been yeah. on those Monte Carlo rally roads. It's like, you know, it's like going at the canyons near LA. A lot of the time there are no barriers or even if there are barriers, you go over the top. And then this thing cartwheel down the cliff. And yeah, and then the next thing you see is kind of this guy going out backside first. And you're either okay or you're not, right? Yeah. And I, I, did, a, I did a rally many years ago, and there's a, a British co driver in the Ford team got, you know, got, got killed a couple of a few rallies later. Oof. And, you know, the tree where you hit a tree. And, you know, it's still a, it's amazing what they walk away from, but it's, it's still a dangerous sport. But yeah, I mean, extraordinary skill, incredible stuff. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's uh, the whole thing is kind of nuts, but it was kind of exciting to see. And congratulations to them for for winning. Does uh, does the lady go back to teaching at this point, or she gets some kind of bonus? Maybe I heard that she <laughs> was basically a- back in the classroom on Monday. <laughs> yeah, and what, and what I like about well, actually both, but certainly about Sebastian is he looks forty eight. <laughs> you know you get you know you get these like pro like like Bill obviously who don't look yeah right uh-huh. and and the guy looks forty eight look at the pictures of him you know he's got this kind of like weather beaten face he looks he looks a bit sort of but he was like a champion gymnastic in his a gymnast in his teams in his teens so his signature is doing a backflip like a standing backflip on the podium he was still able to do that at forty eight as well so it's like it's like I don't really like hero worship people but he's pretty much up there in terms of uh, yeah you know just in terms of yeah. his skill set it's amazing. Yeah, by the way, I like that shirt you got on there, Bill. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Big man's wearing his Bravago shirt. Make sure we get some screenshots of that at some point. <laughs> is, this a, is this an alcoholic beverage that you might have something to do with? Yeah, might be, might be. Um, tell us a little bit. I, I, I guess we got to get into the EV uh, part of the discussion at, at some point. So why don't we just touch on that for a minute? Tell us a little bit about the uh, the Hyundai, because you guys got your hands on, is the Ionic? The Ionic 5? Uh, it, yeah, the Ionic 5, which is looks like something out of the 80s. It's all sort of, it's a cool looking car, uh, sister car to the Kia EV6. 
Yeah, we've been really impressed with it. It starts the car, the car we had was like a, a fully loaded dual motor all wheel drive thing, which was like fifty six grand. But actually, that's not really, I think, where the sweet spot is. The sweet spot is around like forty five thousand. So basically, what you're getting for the price of a a, a a standard range plus model Tesla Model Three is actually a it's sort of one of those things that's kind of SUV like. So it's a little bit bigger, um, a little bit boxier, but. It's a cool. It, it looks cool. It drives well. It's got a lot going for it. The only thing it doesn't have that the Teslas have is, is the whole charging infrastructure thing. But uh, you know that's improving all the time. And yeah, it, I, I like the fact that Hyundai's come into the market and said, "Well, we've got an opportunity to do something that looks a little bit different." And you know, let's try and um, create some buzz around it. And I think they've they've done a great job. Yeah, it definitely has an interesting look to it. Um, the the interior. Uh, you'll have to tell me. I I get we get we get to do things on the interior with EVs that we can't do with conventional cars, mostly because of the big tunnel where the transmission and stuff is. So we've got you know more flat floors, and you can uh, you know pass way you know pass throughs and you know left and right, so you don't have to sit in a bucket. You can kind of s- spread out a little bit. Um, you know, we we made some comments about things like the VW, uh, whatever the ID four it is, and I was like, it's just too gamerish, kind of on the inside for me. Certainly, the press car that they passed around that had the white interior, the white steering wheel. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like I get it; it probably looks cool in photos on the you know on the you know LA Auto Show floor, but in in real life, it's probably not the the configuration you'd get. But the Hyundai. Mm-hmm has this kind of this massive screen kind of dash thing going on. Um, I, I don't know how to explain it. It looks like a, a screen where the gauge cluster would be, but then it keeps going for a little bit. So instead of a massive iPad stuck on the, you know, on the center console, it kind of just goes across the, the length of, you know, half the car, right? Yeah. It's, it's sort of how, yeah, how you display the information and, and instead of having a, you know, one sort of uh, iPad-like thing. They basically made a narrower screen that runs further along the car. And yeah, there's all this thing about not having a centered, you know, transmission tunnel. I think one of our guys was saying it's okay, okay, but then anything that's in the passenger footwell ends up rolling under the rolling into the driver's feet and stuff like that. So there's a few um, a few curiosities about it, but I, I think it's good. I mean, Hyundai's gone one way, Kia's gone another way. Their car also looks pretty cool, but is a very different. Uh, very different approach and you know things are things are getting you know things are heating up and actually we need more cars around that kind of entry-level ev price around the forty thousand dollars still a lot of money but you know the the tesla model 3 has kind of had its had that market to itself for a long time and it's great that there's getting more and more choice at a, a more sensible end of the market and what was the range on that on that hyundai uh we just tested it matt and let me uh let me do a quick Google. I can't remember the top of your head how uh, what it what it came out at. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, the Hyundai Ionic Five came in twentieth in the Edmunds range test rankings. Uh, so EPA was two hundred and fifty six miles. Uh, we managed two hundred and seventy. So that's basically right alongside uh, a Mustang Mackey standard range. Uh, a little bit more than a Tesla Model Y performance. Um, our range leader at the moment is a EQS 450 Plus at 422 miles, which is uh, 
kind of crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everything's kind of normalizing now between sort of 250 to 300. That seems to be kind of where things are. You know, yeah. where things are landing. And we're going to make the, the jump soon. We're going to make the jump. You, you know, uh, the EQS or whatever the, the Mercedes we're talking about, uh, uh, not just an exercise in EV technology, but aerodynamics and some other things. Um, I, I was I was at a SEMA conference, and uh, there was a big, like, EV fest that Holly does, and guys are out there, uh, you know, drag racing, you know, Teslas and stuff for fun. But there's not a lot of performance tuning, which is really what I got into with these guys is go, how do we start doing performance tuning? And they're like, we, well, we can't really yet. Nobody's really cracked the code in the aftermarket for the performance tuning. So they're focusing on lighter weight and and aerodynamics. And uh, yeah, somebody showed up with a, with a Tesla Plaid, which runs, I don't know, 920s or 930s. And this guy was like, uh, he just str- gutted the entire interior, audio system, seats, everything down to bare metal and just ran a driver's seat in it and ran like 890s. <laughs> just and, on, on, and I think he ended up doing like um, like a drag radio, like four little drag radials. Uh, so he got a little bit more rubber on the ground and l- reduced weight and broke into the eights. <laughs> but no other tuning because it's not much you can do, not even like a gear swap or anything. It was just hauling ass in the in the plaid. And uh, 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 to Holly's credit, they've got a line of, of aftermarket parts for uh, for Tesla, by the way, wheels and things like that. And they came out with a steering wheel. <laughs> that you could swap. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could take the yoke thing out and get one that has an actual top on it. So you can, uh, so you could, uh, uh, I, T-Sport, I think is, is the line. T-Sport is the, the aftermarket line that Holly Group owns. And, uh, right off the bat, uh, you can order like three different steering wheels for that thing if you want. You swap the airbag, you put it in. So you can problem solved on the plaid if you want to spend a couple hundred bucks on a steering wheel, which why not if you're going to spend $160,000 on the car or whatever the hell it is. I'm sorry, the if the after, if the, the if the after, sorry, Bill, go. Sorry, Bill, go ahead. Do they have a new grill for the BMW by chance? No, and actually, we talked about that. I talked about that <laughs> with the guys at APR and Dynan. And uh, the problem is, there's so much stuff packed in behind that grill. Uh, and I said, well, don't reinvent the invent the front end. I was like, just take the big kidney grill, make it a smaller kidney grill, and then underneath it, subtly do some other type of of grill just to get air in, whether it's body color or whatever. So, uh, like optically, it would look like it's a smaller grill, but the opening is still huge. Like I don't know, you could probably just do it with paint and stickers. And they're like, actually, that's not a bad idea because they keep I think trying. A twelve year old can probably make a better design. To be honest, yeah, it's just. It's just uh, I don't know. It's kind of a a, a weird thing, yeah. but um, it's like did you ever see the aftermarket do the the front end for a V8 Vantage, the Aston Martin? Yeah, and it just looks so nice. And it was like if you need the aftermarket, which has got you know X budget, to correct the design of an OEM which has got Y budget, then something's going fundamentally <laughs> wrong. And I think that's the same yeah. with Tesla. You spend one hundred and sixty grand on one of the richest company from what, buying something from one of the richest companies in the world, and then you got to spend two hundred bucks to uh, you know not to dismiss the aftermarket in any way. They do a great job, but there's something going wrong if you then need to go into you know you need to go into your local shop and buy a steering wheel. Oh, listen, yes. I, good good for uh, for T Sport. Those guys are like, oh look, that's the ugliest steering wheel I've ever seen. We're going to make some money, <laughs> right? And uh, and I know every aftermarket body company is going Ben BMW. They're dropping the ball on the buck tooth grill. Let's see if we can address that. But uh, I think they're getting. 
I think they're getting ahead of themselves. They're trying to reinvent like the whole front bumper cover and extend the nose out and the whole thing. I think we can just find a way to do it with the with just cosmetically a different type of grill that sort of optically makes it into like an upper and lower grill. I'm, I'm uh, guessing. I don't know. Uh, I have to do it. I'm I get- drove past the four series the other day, and I still just cannot get over the meeting in Munich where they sat down and said, "Yep, that's the way forward." And 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 I, it I just, just uh, and it just got past hundreds of people going yes 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 you know just marketers and and every finance guys and everyone's going I like this <laughs> you know like it just but I I, I don't I, I did hear a story about the Porsche uh, Tiptronic and you may remember when it came out it had really stupid this is like going back to I think the nineties it had really stupid steering wheel controls yeah the buttons, where you like had to use yeah. your thumb to change up and mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a disaster and they quickly brought in the the paddles. But I heard years later that that had basically been one senior exec had basically said, I want this, and just had enough political capital to to just push it through. And pretty much everybody else was lined up lined up against it. We, He's now working somewhere else. <laughs> he took yeah. his $100 million payoff. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> that was his swan song. <laughs> That's right. You got his golden parachute. He's using his flappy buttons on his way down um all right we're uh we're we're running out of time here alistair it's always a pleasure we're gonna have you on again soon i'm gonna head out of here and uh catch playing back to uh barrett jackson don't worry bill i will and not i headed to Goldberg's garage to hang the latest uh the last freaking steel beam man we're we're gonna complete this thing this week as far as hanging the steel is concerned so it's good it's exciting we saw some of the times last videos uh lapse videos you've been posting up on uh, goldberg's garage and instagram so love that stuff um alistair weaver he's the man edmunds.com he's uh weaver on cars on instagram and he's alistair weaver on twitter um feel free to send him I'm a nice not, message we on cars everywhere are you you changed on it? cars everywhere matt we yeah, on cars by popular demand <laughs> weaver on cars so uh go on to twitter send him a nice note if you own a tesla send him a nasty note and uh and uh, it's all good to go <laughs> <laughs> Follow me at Moderator, of course, uh, Goldberg, Goldberg's Garage uh, on uh, on on Twitter and Goldberg95, Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Get the updates there, and I'll be posting some stuff from Bear Jackson. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is geico.com today. That's geico.com.